I'm Carolyn Lobsinger. I'm one of the people who make the 7B podcast. You may recognize my name from the various stories I've written for the Bonner County Daily Bee. Every day, the team at the Daily Bee works reporting on stories in our community. Each story is the result of hours spent interviewing, writing, and rewriting to keep our readers and our listeners informed. If you'd like to help us continue to provide quality local journalism, the best thing you could do is become a subscriber of the Daily Bee. If you've already done that, thank you. If you haven't yet subscribed, you can do so by calling us at 208-263-9534 or go online to bonnercountydailybee.com. Now on to our podcast. The story of Sam Point's lost City Hall bell making its way home is a tale more than 70 years in the making. The 112-year-old bell's homecoming was celebrated Saturday with a concert by Music Conservatory of Sam Point students and staff, Bonner County History Museum officials and volunteers in the community. Despite cloudy skies and the occasional downpour, the move was joyous as what was once lost to time was now home. Well, at least since temporary home at the museum, until the cupola on top of what is now the music conservatory is rebuilt, and the bell once again stand guard over the community. But that's jumping ahead to the last chapter. After all, every story needs to start at the beginning. The story of the bell, the mystery, and its homecoming begins with a renovation by the music conservatory of its new home, what was once the old Sandpoint City Hall. As MCS officials launched an effort to renovate the historic building to bring back original touches lost in past remodels, they reached out to Bonner County History Museum staff for help. Executive Director Heather Upton, Museum Administrator Hannah Combs, and a host of volunteers jumped into research mode, even contacting local media to try and find out what happened to the bell, a bell which once warned of nearby fires, signaled the start of curfew, and ring in celebration upon the ending of the First and Second World Wars. So back in the day, I put together an exhibit at the library, which is a fun exhibit space we have. And I talked about the Liberty Bell and the old City Hall Bell. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun if we were able to find it? And nothing really happened out of that. And so when I recently connected with the Music Conservatory, we've been helping them with the preservation efforts. And I'm on their building committee. Uh, I. I was talking to Kathy and Karn and I said, let's try to find that bell <laughs> that, you know, once sat upon, you know, the top of the building. And, and then lo and behold, Bob Camp just came right in. Was, he was, he just said, could you pull up Google Maps? And so I said, okay. So we sat down and he showed me a live picture of that bell. And we were just blown away. He'd been tipped off 12 years earlier that the missing bell was likely alive and could be in the Spokane area. He and fellow researcher Bill Fulton followed up on the tip and tracked down the bell, or at least a bell, to way out west antiques, well known to passing motors for its enormous animal statues that greeted them as they drove past. How sure were you that that was the bell? Well, we knew that everything fit, but there was one thing in the paper that said it was brass. Right. But uh, because of the color, I think. But uh, Dan Evans researched Spokane paper and actually got the, the events where the, the bell collector in Spokane Valley uh-huh. 
uh, actually bought it from Sandpoint and then he sold it or the family sold it to the guy at the antique place there, uh, way out west antiques. Okay. So we, we got it documented. However, nothing came of that earlier visit and the bell again faded from memory. However, the clue was enough for Upton to call the antique store's owner, Mike Ferguson, to see if he really did have a bell and if that bell could be the lost bell. As she talked about the bell's importance to the community, she asked if Ferguson would be interested in selling the bell if it could be confirmed that it was the city's lost bell so that it could come home. Ferguson was touched, telling museum officials that the words spoke to his heart. Ferguson, who had acquired the bell from collector Greg Dabke, told museum officials that the bell had brought him a great deal of joy over the years and he'd never wanted to sell it despite many offers. This time, this time was different. This time, it was headed home to people that would love it and care for it as much as he did. I immediately called the antique dealer and talked to this amazing gentleman. Um, and he's actually helped with a lot of preservation projects oh, throughout neat. the community. And, and he, apparently he had talked to some members of, uh, about the bell in the past. And... Um, Anyway, I just kind of told him what it would mean to our community, mm -hmm. and he was um, very generous in, in making this happen because he had so many offers in the past of selling the bell, and he just didn't feel comfortable doing it. He loved the bell himself, and he's a preservationist and a historian, and he felt like if he were to ever sell it, it needed to be in the right home. But as historians, Museum volunteers and staff said they had to make sure that this bell was indeed their bell. There's only one way to find out. More research and hand-on examination of the bell. MCS Director Karen Wiedemeyer and museum researchers threw their efforts into confirming that the bell was indeed the city's lost bell, or to confirm that it was not. The MCS Director, who had trained as an archaeologist before a career as an opera singer, contacted colleagues in Germany who understood bell making and the museum's research team unfurled its full potential. Will Valentine and Hannah Combs dug up every reference to the bell that had ever been published in Bonner County, including obscure archives and meeting minutes. Dan Evans scoured the Spokane newspapers and found the only existing photo in which part of the bell could clearly be seen inside the cupola on Sandpoint City Hall. Jim Watts, who wrote a comprehensive history of the fire department, confirmed that researchers were on the right track. As the research continued, Combs and Upton said the details were lining up, that this was Sandpoint's original bell. Armed with the research, Valentine, Camp, and Wiedemeyer headed to Spokane to again examine the bell. Trio measured and documented identifying marks, and with support from museum archives, left confident this was indeed the missing City Hall bell. I have had people in, on our team still like coming through the last, and then we were able to find the last percentage to feel really confident. What was the last thing that was like, that put it over from 95 to Recently, 100? I think it was Dan's work that he did on it, measurement, the measurements, and... Yeah, that photo, uh, that Ross Hall photo we found. Yes. Really. Yeah, we kept yeah, working it um, because that is the only one we could find that showed the clapper and you oh. can see yeah, the shape is exactly the same yeah. as the one. Um, and then he also did a lot of intricate mathematics with yes. historic photos to prove that the scale was accurate. So. I, I mean, we have a couple of volunteers that literally weren't sleeping at night, sure. 
Upton immediately texted the MCS director, who'd been on her way to Costco to buy toilet paper. It wasn't until Wiedemeyer glanced at her phone during a brief stop for coffee that she saw the text. We found the bell. Instead of Cord Lane, Wiedemeyer headed to Spokane. A month or two ago, no one was even sure if the bell really did still survive. We heard rumors, you know, so we we heard rumors and we've, we've done some research, but uh, we knew, you know, it could be here, could be there. And somebody did say that they thought it was in Spokane. Does anybody know how it ended up at its now former home? Yes, so there is, we do know the history and uh, we know that in 1951 it was taken down and then it was sold. And a bell collector, so that's all traceable. The bell collector had it, but ultimately he passed. And then the person, you know, had it, we bought it from. So it didn't really go to any place because right. it's difficult to move a bell. So it made sense that it did stay. What I didn't realize is that uh, there's a whole, uh, there's a huge interest in collecting bells. So it was at risk of being sold. Um, and he did um, say that he was approached a couple of times. And even the city of Sandpoint had asked to buy it and he declined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the Costco parking lot while Heather was uh, negotiating and said, you know, just let them know. We need to bring the bell home. It needs to come home. And he agreed. He, that made sense to him because it needed to go back where it originated mm-hmm. from. Do you think that that was what made the difference, even though the city had approached him before that? I think so. You referred to it as coming home. Yes. That it was a treasured part of the community yes. that it was home. It wasn't just an object for an object's sake. It right. was help singing the notes of this community's soul. Right. It's, you know, I call it, it's a holy grail of Sandpoint. And, I, you know, the, the reason it is a holy grail of Sandpoint is because it kept Sandpoint safe for decades. Mm-hmm. And it's a really important aspect. And I think when, when it will ring, people will really, that's going to be an emotional feeling of comfort, you know, when mm-hmm. you hear that. So, uh, it was really amazing because I was at the park in the parking lot in Costco and said, okay, how is this going to go? And then I got the phone call. Says he said yes. So my check and my did not go to buy toilet paper. To find that it was so close to home, for the bell to be in such good condition, and for Ferguson to understand the bell's pull for the community and to agree to its sale was truly a joyous moment, Wiedemeyer said. There's joy in its purest form. And, you know, I remember, I think that the other times I felt, of course, you know, when you have your child, you know, in your arms and you look at your child and it's this pure moment of joy. And when I got the text, when I had pulled over for a cup of coffee, you know, Uh weeks ago, and I saw we found the bell, that was that moment of just unbelievable, oh my goodness, (laughs) you know, where the archaeologist in me was just weeping with joy and the uh, opera singer was singing with joy. <laughs> so my system probably went into some strange, uh, exciting uh, existence, but it's really, really wonderful. It's just amazing. And what I also really love is how it brings people together. And that is going to be the community aspect, I think, of this bell. When, when it will go up, and it will go up, I promise. To find that it was so close to home, for the bell to be in such good condition, and for Ferguson to understand the bell's pull for the community, and to agree to its sale was truly a joyous moment, Wiedemeyer said. There's something special about this whole a situation that ties the present into the past and into the future. That the bell would make its way home was no sure thing. In fact, there's no guarantee that the bell survived much after it was sold by the city in the early 1950s and its trail went dark. 
for it to be safe and home is a miracle. You know, if I look at all the things that I know almost beyond coincidence, it has its own will and we just need to step aside. You've been listening to the 7B Podcast. Thanks for joining us and remember to check back next Monday to hear the latest news and stories that are happening in our community.